Hey, basketball fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by Sigma Gamma Rose finest, none other than Beyonce slash Connecticut Sun's biggest fan, um, Tarika Foster Brasby. What's up, T? You know what? I'm going to get a shirt. I'm going to make a shirt that just has all of that on it. And at the end, it's going to be quotes, LaChina Robinson. All the <laughs> That's <Easter>. right. <laughs> I put it all out there. Um, yeah, so it's me and your girl T hanging out once again. And we appreciate everyone for your support. It's felt so good to be back on Around the Rim. If you haven't checked out some of our past podcasts, we've had a Simone Augustus tribute. We've had uh, Delisha Milton-Jones in our our last episode as we started a new segment for WNBA Legends. Um, we had Dewana Bonner from Tarika's favorite team in the WNBA, The Sun, on our last podcast who gave some great insights. Sydney Colson, who's going to be dropping in time the time on the pod, uh, came on to talk about some hot topics in the WNBA. So make sure you share the podcast, review, leave your comments. And as always, you can tweet us at Around the Rim Pod. You can also email us at around the rim podcast at gmail.com. My handle on Twitter is at LaChina Robinson and Tarika's at she knows sports underscore. And today's episode touches on a topic that is in the conversation heavily in the sports world right now. And that is Naomi Osaka and her withdrawing from the French Open. As we hope you know, mental health is very important to Tarika and I. It's a part of not only our personal lives, but in what we do in covering sport. And it saddens both of us that the intersection of media and mental health are coming to a head right now. Um, but we're grateful for the chance to bring some insight and some conversation around how we can all do better in covering our athletes and supporting our athletes, but also in recognizing challenges that we all face in mental health. With that being said, um, we bring on a very special guest to our show, one that we had not had previously, Dr. Don Brown, who's a sports psychiatrist and owner of Mental Healthletics. So she specializes in mental health for athletes, professional athletes and sports organizations, and she's a mental health expert who is going to help us get a different point of view on this topic. Um, so without further delay, please, again, share your thoughts with us, but we hope that you're open to a honest conversation around Naomi Osaka and mental health. All right, basketball fans. So back in 2017, I wrote a piece for The Undefeated that centered around mental health in the African-American community and the taboo on mental illness. And I focused that story on Imani McGee Stafford, who at the time was the center for the Atlanta Dream. And it was so important for me to be able to tell that story um, simply because it was just not a conversation that many athletes were having at the time. And so Imani was very open about the traumatic experiences that she had faced as a child, her you know, battle through suicide attempts. Um, and how she had found poetry and how she turned that into an outlet to deal with the mental challenges that she was facing. Um, she is one who has been and continues to be an advocate for athletes in mental health and just mental health in general. But I bring that up because at the time, it didn't seem as if there were many who were willing to speak out as athletes in regards to the 
challenges that they were facing regarding their mental health. And so now here we are again in 2021 where we're having this conversation again, not to say that it ever stopped, but that it's prevalent in the news right now because of the recent events surrounding tennis star Naomi Osaka. Osaka withdrew from the French Open because she refused to speak to the media, citing that it was for mental health concerns. Um, I think in the beginning, people may have just thought that she was just trying to be an elitist. But realistically, she was like, hey, the questions, the focus, I'm losing it um, dealing with the social anxiety that I have from having to answer media questions and so she decided that she was not going to answer media questions during the grand slam event this year and unfortunately those at the federation did not agree with her decision and from there she decided the best course of action was to withdraw completely and now because of that we are again revisiting this conversation of mental health and mental health and athletes so on today's show, LaChina and I thought that it was very important that we took this opportunity to have this conversation um, with someone who knows way more about this subject than we do. So we are very pleased to welcome to the show today, Dr. Dawn Camilla Brown. Dr. Brown is a double board certified child, adolescent, adult, and sports psychiatrist. She's an internationally recognized two-time number one best-selling author, Forbes writer, blogger, producer, speaker, on-air influencer. She's the founder and CEO of Mental Healthletics, which is a company that specializes in sports psychiatry for elite athletes. And she's also the CEO of the ADHD Wellness Center. So Dr. Brown, we are thrilled to have you joining LaChina and I today. You know, listen, Tarika, LaChina, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and a pleasure being here um, in the midst of greatness as well. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you so much, Tarika, for introducing this very important topic. And, and thank you to Dr. Brown. I may call you Dr. Dawn sometimes because I just think that has a ring to it. But, um, you know, as Tarika noted, first of all, looking hindsight, we didn't do anything on this podcast for May, which is Mental Health Month. So it is appropriate, even though it's June, for us to be having this conversation. And obviously, this is something that, um, you know, the entire world, world is paying attention to. And I think the star power that Naomi Osaka has, and the fact that she's, what, 23 years old, we're kind of watching the life of this young woman unfold in front of us. And um, it's a privilege for us, but it's a burden sometimes to athletes who have to answer to media that have so many pressures and obligations. And it's well-documented, you know, Naomi Osaka had not performed well in this particular event, um, you know, was trying to do some things differently to keep her mental focus. And obviously she's had to deal with some harsh media questions and all of us have been around it where, they're just dumb questions out there, okay? And there are things that are asked that allow certain thoughts to enter your mind. And I guess, Dr. Don, that's my first thing for you. It's like, where do we draw the line in interactions with athletes and media where questions can get detrimental to an athlete's mental health? It's a great question. And I think we definitely need to talk about where to draw the line because these are interesting questions. Some are dumb, as you so eloquently put. They're redundant. Um, they're critical. You know, they're criticizing this tremendous athlete who just compete, who just finished competing, and they happen right after the competition, whether they win or lose, right? And I think they should be screened. I think they should be screened. 
because a lot of athletes are not there to, well, all the athletes are not, not there to answer questions. They're there to perform, they're there to perform. And so with that being stated, you know, their practice is consisting of performing at their sport. Their practice not necessarily consists of speaking in front of a crowd and ask, you know, in answering questions. And so some of these athletes don't necessarily have, you know, the developed social skills because they haven't been trained in that area. They're, they're, you know, they've always been led to be focused in their sport. They're not necessarily prepared to speak. And then even, even if they are, there are underlying um, um, mental health conditions such as social anxiety or just generalized anxiety that can get in the way of them being able to um, speak. And then when you think about an athlete in their performance, they're at the top of their level. And now all of a sudden you're putting them in this a different arena where you expect them to perform just like they did, you know, um, coming off the court, the field, whatever. So, you know, there, there has to be some lines drawn and this is not the first time and it won't be the last unless we start dealing with it. We see it quite often in WNBA, the NBA, we see it in all, all sports. And so, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, and you, you bring up so many great points and it, the question becomes, and I'm going to get to my comment about dumb in a minute. Cause I have some examples of, I don't use that word very often, mm -hmm. but um, I, I want to talk a little bit about anxiety in a moment and what that can look like in athletes, mm -hmm. but also reconsidering how we do media, right? Whether it's the timing, should we be talking to athletes immediately following a loss should we be talking to them? Should they have to answer questions on a game day? You know, Liz Cambage came out with a, with a tweet in support of Naomi. She said, doing media is forced upon us. It's time to start protecting those that don't want to speak. Let their game speak for them. Being forced to do media shouldn't be part of being an athlete. And Liz has been so open and vulnerable around her journey with mental health, as has Kayla McBride, as has... Asia Wilson, as have so many WNBA athletes. But so where we draw the line is a conversation. But going back to the dumb part, I said dumb because I think asking questions of athletes that start with, if you lose, right? right? Or immediately following an event, what were you thinking? Um and maybe you think that's appropriate, Dr. Don, but I just I just want to hear your thoughts on, you know, what line of questioning can damage the the mindset of an athlete pre, during, or post performance? Great question, LaChina. All of them, pre, during, and post. Um, yeah. You know, even during the breaks. You know, the questions are geared towards their performance. They're critical questions. They're actually evaluating or objectifying what they're doing as a professional athlete who is happens to be a human, right? And so you're, you're actually talking to a human being. And when you're talking to them before, many of these athletes are already anxious, right? They'll, they'll talk about their pre-game regimen and what they do to help lessen their anxiety. And then here you are asking questions about, yes, if you win or if you lose, or what about your competitor and this and any other, it actually can be a trigger for many athletes, which can be very dangerous and also impact their performance. And then right after, you know, the human brain, if we can go to a scientific, you know, understanding of this is that when you're actually meeting somewhere, you know, someone and they've actually just performed at their highest level, this is their career. And you, and they, and they actually didn't play like they wanted to, or they lost the game. 
and you're asking questions right after, they haven't even had a a chance to process what just happened. Mm -hmm. And when you don't process that information, you're gonna get the raw emotions. You're gonna get them because there's no filter. You haven't allowed them to process this information. You know, even on the journalist side, many of them said, you know, we ask dumb questions and, you know, we can get the story from how you just stayed in China, from how they played. I mean, we're professionals as well. We're here for a reason because we understand the game and we understand what we want is what they were thinking. That can happen later. That can happen. And if you really want to know what they're thinking, it should happen later. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's a great point. And that's why I brought up the timing of it all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I do believe that media availability is so important. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it made me sad to hear Liz say, you know, Ashley shouldn't have to speak unless they want to, because um, I feel like a lot of them don't want to. And I think it has to do with sometimes the line of questioning they get. And Jamel Hill brought up something interesting in her conversation about Naomi Osaka and how sometimes, you know, because tennis is predominantly covered by white men and women, that the cultural aspect of it can feel disconnected, you know, as a young black woman like Naomi who has obviously been very supportive of Black Lives Matter, you know, tennis, which is a a little bit of what they call a country club sport, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and what that has looked like in terms of the questioning around why she has done some of the things she's done and if tennis is the right platform for it. Um, So I think that's part of it. But also I think the fact that a lot of the media aren't former athletes is a a challenge in it as well, um, because, it's sometimes hard for people to understand what, and even for me who performed in, at the college level, I'm still not, a, I still wasn't a professional athlete where I was getting paid, at least I don't call it getting paid, um, you know, for what I did, but these athletes are, are getting, they're getting paid. This is their livelihood. There's a lot on the line for them. These conversations often start narrative that affect their trades, their contract, you know, some of these headlines that are taken from media can impact them in a bigger way. And so there's there's times where I feel like the disconnect between what an athlete actually is and what they go through and what they're doing in the media is a, is a big one. And that's where some of the insensitivities come in. Cause I'm not trying to say that people in the media are intentionally trying to make a fool of anyone. They're trying to do their job. Are they trying to ask dumb questions? No, but oftentimes they prompt athletes trying to get a certain response or a certain headline that, as we know, is going to get clicks. Now, going to the anxiety aspect of it, how, what role do you think social media has maybe played in, because social media is media, in the relationship of athletes to this media world that we speak of? It's huge. And I would like to use Naomi's words or paraphrase her words, for example, to answer this question, because when she talks, you know, first of all, we didn't even deserve an explanation. You know, I appreciate her courage, her strength, her vulnerability to even come out and provide her fans an explanation of what's, you know, going on within her. And so when she even addressed this in her response, you know, whenever I see other athletes, she's included other athletes in her response. When I see them break down and they are asked questions when they're at their lowest level and how they respond, you know, I have to prepare, meaning at Naomi, when she has to prepare her statements in front of media um, so that she can give them the right answer. So she doesn't, of course, we in our minds, she doesn't want to come out, you know, giving the wrong impression or she wants to make sure her intention of her answer is received and how she's intended it, right? 
Yeah. Social media does the same because it's quick. It's, it's everyone has it in their hand. You know, you don't have to have a TV to watch, you know, certain medias and you can watch it at any time. I mean, social media is kind of that immediate response that you're going to receive and it's also interpreted it. So now mm-hmm. that you just have, you're reading these headlines going down the scroll and down the, you know, the road, now you're having different ideologies. You don't have an explanation or a person or reporter that's interpreting their own message to the crowd, right? You're actually reading and you're self-interpreting what that reporter said. And if we play telephone, for example, we know that the end, of the, the end girl is going to get it all right, wrong, right? <laughs> okay. Right? I mean, how many? Do you think someone said something in the press conference and they're just blown away by what the headline ends up being by the time that comes out? That's right. I mean, so what here, what, and then what they interpret can be two different things. You're exactly right. You're exactly well, and, right. And, 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 and when you look at Naomi's situation from even, even a broader scope, mm-hmm. you know, I was so disappointed and so disappointed and not just the French Open's response, but it's actually the other majors that came out firing on a young woman that just said she was having mental health challenges. Like, okay, give her a fine, but to then threaten her ability to perform in future majors because she doesn't want to speak to media. You know, most athletes growing up, they're taught to shoot basketball. They're taught to, um, you know, to hit a tennis ball. The skill and I call it a skill because media is something that I've taught, you know, I mean, I'm sure you probably recommend that high level athletes get some kind of media training, maybe to help with that anxiety and to help ease some of that, but it's not something that has to necessarily come naturally to everyone. So why is it that you have the penalty of losing an opportunity to perform? I mean, that lack of support for this young woman and this young black woman is to me, I thought was just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And these are the opinions of Dr. Dawn. How do they see us? Mm. Right? You know, when you're, when you're looking at the shame and how they guilt you, I mean, this has nothing to do with her performance. This has nothing to do with her winning the four last consecutive major, you know, major um, 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 uh, com- competitions that she's played. Um, she's the most highly paid athlete as of last, you know, recognized last year um, at such a young age. She's dominant. She's the first Japanese, right, yeah. citizen to actually do this on this major platform. But that, don't, that doesn't matter. It's like, how do, how do they see us? And mm-hmm. I say that because I'm speaking for Sabrina, who stood against the umpire. I'm speaking for Simone Biles, who was undermined in the score because they didn't know how to score. They didn't know. I mean, she, there was no five for that. I mean, she dominated that, you know, that competition. And then definitely with Naomi, who's already been very highly successful at such a young age, you know, it, it doesn't even matter about what we do, you know? And so you have to look at, you know, athletes just happen to be athletic, but they're human first. Mm-hmm. And if you're respected as human beings, you know, I think that the response of what they did would be different. And maybe some say that, you know, if you look at the dominance in sports, that maybe some other cultural background things were probably considered as well. I don't know. But I mean, it's obvious that we're dominating sports. 
It has to be considered. It 100% has to be considered because when you, when you, when you look at, you know, the relationship, and we've talked about this very openly between professional athletes and ownership, right? And how different that looks culturally. So you, you, you think about Russell Westbrook getting popcorn poured on him and the water bottle that was thrown at Kyrie Irving and, um, you know, who else was it? Somebody else had something with the fan. Um, you know, all are, are, are Black athletes who are performing in front of these crowds of people that are paying tons of money, people of all color, but of majority um, high level socioeconomic status within our country is usually not black and brown people. So it's, there is, there seems to be a relationship in some of these instances, as we know, systemic racism exists where, um, you know, how the black athletes are handled in these situations, um, you know, deserves to be looked at under a microscope. Um, a little bit and figuring out how we can best support these men and women in particular, considering everything they've been through in the last year and a half with the racial reckoning in our country, um, you know, and, and all of the trauma that we've all experienced as black and brown people behind George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and, and, and going back to social media, um, you know, it, it's the opinions of not just other media members, but the fans and people that want to weigh in on your life and what you're doing and all your decisions that I think is a lot on today's athletes. And especially if you think you can throw a water bottle at someone and that <laughs> you matter, you know, in those kind of situations. I think it's also fair to note that when you mention like a Simone Biles and we talk about Naomi Osaka, that these are not domestic sports. Like gymnastics is not a domestic only. This is an international sport. Mm -hmm. So when you look at your media room, it's not just media members from the United States that are there. You've got media members from across the world that are in these spaces as well. And I think that that plays a part too, simply because the way that certain athletes and certain you know, women are treated in different countries for different statuses. It, it vastly varies. And so you're asking this person to not only um, deal with the questions that, you know, come along with the competition, but you're also, whether they know it or not, are dealing with the biases that some media members may have, depending on where they're coming from when you're playing an international sport like tennis or the Olympics and things of that nature. Yeah, like remember the the comic, I guess, of Serena Williams that someone did when they had enlarged her lips and enlarged her body. And I think that was someone that was part of the international media, but I definitely think that's a part of it as well. Dr. Don, what, what do you want people to take away from this whole thing with Naomi Osaka? The bottom line is that we are all human beings. I mean, if we just take the simple... <laughs> I mean, it really is plain and simple. She is a human being. She is a young human being. She has accomplished so much in so little time that why are we placing all of these expectations on someone like her who's actually been very vocal in the media and she's actually commented on her mental health prior. Um, so, you know, all of these things she's actually telling us you know, and so, you know, we have to, we have to make sure that we treat, we have to treat everybody as human beings. I mean, that's really what it boils down to, especially for athletes, especially yeah. for athletes. They're not superhuman. They just happen to be athletic and gifted. 
right? And if you are actually respecting them and their sport and what they're able to do, and if they are part of your pastime away from your own life's anxieties, you know, whether you're the media or whether you're just a typical spectator like myself that loves sports, we have to respect that because no one would come to our job and do what we would do to them, right? I mean, yes. and, 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 and that's just what it is. And so even when these entities come together and, you know, harshly criticize her, I mean, even no one stopped to even think, like, let's read her story. Let's see what she's, let's understand, because I know she's talked about it before. I mean, it was very obvious that she's actually stated because she said that she felt avoided um, and also disregarded um, about her mental health. And mm -hmm. she shouldn't be punished for that. She's actually no. should be celebrated for this, that she's Amen. actually letting you know. And, yeah. and the last thing I want people to know, I'm sorry, Lachina, is that everyone is, has mental health. Everyone is mental. I see mental health as a spectrum. You know, not everyone necessarily has a mental illness, but they are not in one and the same. Mental health is everyone. Not everyone has an injury, a physical injury, where like everyone does have mental illness, but everyone has mental health. So we should definitely appreciate that, even when we are looking in fan base or media, wherever we are in, in, in looking at these athletes and appreciating what they actually bring value to our lives. So Right. We should be resonating with them because we have all had some sort of mental health issue at some point, whether we recognized it or not. And I think, you know, my message would be to some of these other majors, like read the room. When you watch Naomi Osaka with the media, I never felt like she was super comfortable with it. You know, there were times where she was doing acceptance speeches after her game and she would say one or two words. It was clear that it was a struggle for her. Like read the room, watch your athletes, know them. Like this didn't just pop out of nowhere because she was trying to make some kind of statement. It was obvious, right. you know? And so that was also the disappointing part of it. And then the last part I would say is, what I don't, what I, what makes me most sad about all of this is that we need the stories of these athletes, in particular our women athletes and our minority athletes, right? Mm -hmm. um, who are undercovered, who are marginalized. We do need them to have a positive outlook on their relationship with the media and what the media can do for them for good. I mean, how many stories have we read over time that have inspired us or, you know, where you become a fan of a, a player because of where they came from or their journey or their relationship to their family or they overcome illness. Like those are the kind of things and not to say that performance isn't a part of coverage. I get that. But if we change, if athletes start to change their relationship with media we're going to be missing out on a lot, on a lot of great moments and stories that have made sport so transformational and on in the lives of so many of us. And I just hope that that doesn't happen. Anything you want to add, T? I honestly think that you nailed it. You know, outside of producing this podcast, I'm a writer and I never want to be in a situation where an athlete doesn't feel comfortable speaking to me because they think I'm either going to ask them something inappropriate or 
force them into saying something that they don't want to say or coerce them or, you know, write a story that is completely inaccurate to what it is that we discuss just for clickbait headlines or anything like that. And I can honestly say that I have been blessed to have built relationships with athletes across multiple sports to where they know that having a conversation with me or that me reaching out to them to write a story about something on them or focusing on them, that they know I come from a place of journalistic integrity, that that's what it's going to be. But I would hate for us, as you mentioned, China, to get to a place where there is so much mistrust between the media and athletes that the stories that we want to hear and want to tell are aren't able to be told um so i'm i again you know you guys nailed it and i just hope we continue to get to a place where athletes can finally build relationships with media members and and vice versa so that we can continue to be catalysts and voices for you know the athletes that we love to see and and dr don i'm not i want to make this one more point with both of you guys i'm not here to say i've never asked a dumb question i absolutely have and it won't be my last i'll ask a ton of dumb questions i'm sure at some point but one thing i do know is i'm intentional about trying not to impact the mindset of an athlete do we have to ask con- questions about controversy absolutely do we have to ask questions about performance that could impact an athlete the next time they step out of the floor? Or do we have to ask questions immediately when they may not, as your, to your point, Dr. Don, have the right answer in that space? Like, could we try to um, be better with our timing? Absolutely. But I, and I also know that when I do ask the question that I even think did that, you better believe I'm not sleeping that night. Like those kind of moments keep me up, you know, especially during a playoff series or a finals where, you know, I say, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have asked about that. Or is it okay to ask about this relationship or this question? And I've tried to also, the other part of this is working on your relationship with these athletes. Like you try to get their trust so that they feel comfortable. And even when you do ask a question that may be, you know, a little borderline as we all do, that they know it's coming from the right place. Mm. But This is a great conversation. Dr. Dawn, thank you so much for all the work that you do. You are fantastic. This is some great insight that I know that our fans will love and enjoy. And come back to our show. We need this doctor perspective more often on breaking down things that are happening in the sports world. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I would love to be back.